Hello and welcome to yet another episode of absolutely no one's favorite podcast, Annoying Question Boy. Uh, today we have a we have a doozy. Um, sorry for any background noise. Uh, to start, um, I was hoping to record uh, in my room last night, but that didn't happen. So we are recording on the front porch of my girlfriend's house now, where there is a uh, state route. That runs directly by the house. So there is a chance that we have some background noise. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, one of these days I'll make this podcast not uh, absolutely um, shitty. Uh, yeah, but like I said, we got a doozy for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about um, how fear-mongering and identi- identity politics have gotten us to the point in American politics that we are currently seeing ourselves in today. Um, but of course, before we do that... Uh, you know what we gotta do. Let's roll that intro music. One of these days I'm gonna get one of my buddies who makes beats to actually make me an intro song. That would actually be pretty cool. I think I'm gonna write that shit down. Um, yeah, so like I said, we're gonna talk about, uh, fear-mongering and identity politics and how it's gotten us, uh... You know, just directly into fascism. Um, But first, like we like to do on this podcast, um, we're going to start with some definitions. Um, For those of you who, you know, are like, what the fuck do we need definitions for? Go ahead and skip ahead a few minutes and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, But for those of you who hear the words fear-mongering and identity politics a lot, but don't really understand what they mean, let me go ahead and give you a quick, quick little summary. So according to Google, uh, fear-mongering is a tactic that is used um, in order to create fear based on a certain uh, belief or happening based on a exaggerated rumor that is used to sway uh, beliefs or political ideology. Uh, in simpler terms, it's uh, connecting maybe a people group, uh, a certain event that happened or something of that nature uh, to a policy change or something like that. For example, um, when Trump in 2016 was talking about uh, how all the Mexican immigrants that were crossing the border were drug dealers and rapists, he was using fear-mongering to create a sway in political ideology to lock up the borders uh, and stop letting people in. Um, this is also used by the Democrats as well. Uh, the Democrats use it a bit differently right now, though. They use it to, um, create this idea that Donald Trump is, like, the worst, um, thing imaginable for American politics, and how what needs to be done is just get him out of office. Um, so they create this fear of Donald Trump, as if he is, like, the the one bad president we've ever had. Um, excuse me here, a little sip of coffee. Um, identity politics is, uh, the use of one's religion, race, sexual orientation, class, or any other identifying characteristic, uh, as a way to form political or social alliances that take away from a more broad party-based politics and uh, go more uh, 
simply based on identifying characteristics. For example, when uh, Mayor Pete first announced his uh, campaign, a lot of gay men and even just members of the LGBTQ plus community <clears throat> talked about how they liked him because, you know, he was gay and they identified with that and it would have made them feel as if a part of them was, you know, also in the Oval Office. Um, and then again, you can look at like 2016 with Hillary Clinton, a lot of women, uh, or even just, you know, people in general, um, felt that it was time to have a woman in office. So rather than actually, you know, basing who they were voting for on policy, uh, political history, um, and things of that nature, they base it on identity. Hillary was a woman. They wanted a woman in office. So that's, you know, all they need. Elizabeth Warren tried to run on that ticket this year, and it, you know, fizzled out a bit because she was weak as fuck. Fuck Elizabeth Warren. Um, and yeah, so that's, you know, that's kind of the loose definitions. Um, and, you know, not, neither of these things are new. Uh, they're pretty popular in just about every country's politics. Um, and they've been popular in American politics since there were American politics. But there's been a huge shift uh, that has caused <clears throat> a bit of a change in both of these. Um, and that was caused by uh, a extreme boost in nationalism. Um, what's nationalism, Josh? Oh, it's a belief that somebody's country is far more important than anyone else's and that everything that that country does is inherently good. That's, that's basically, you know, the easiest definition I can give you. Um, and we see a huge boost in that in America after 9-11, of course. Um, so let's talk about that. Um, what nationalism tends to do in a country is really take away from that country's ability to, as in, when I say that country, I mean its citizens, uh, it's the country's citizens' ability to actually look at what the country is doing uh, objectively and really analyze uh, whether it's good or bad or, you know, things like that. For example, the Afghanistan war. Uh, to anyone who has a, an intelligent, functioning brain, uh, we have no need to be in Afghanistan. We never did. Um, but we've been there for 20 years now. And it's not going to change anytime soon. And so many people find pride in America through the Afghanistan war. Um, and that is due to nationalism. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll really walk you through it real, real simply. So, of course, after 9-11, it's a breach in security. Uh, we feel shaken. We feel unsafe. We feel exposed. And we feel angry. So what do we do? We use that as a way to boost uh, morale in the country. Um, we start bulking up national security. We start bulking up our military. 
we start bulking up our immigration, things like that. And, and by that, I mean immigration policies, stricter immigration policies, not letting more people in, of course. Um, and all of that creates this like hyper-Americanism uh, belief and uh, ideology in this country that everything that is American is just fucking great and strong and powerful and that's what you want in a country you want to be the the biggest you know the biggest country with the biggest guns with the biggest military just ready to fuck anyone's day up if they try you that's that's what being a good country means to america post 9-11 um another sip of coffee hold up And it's very true. I mean, not that nationalism didn't exist in America prior to this, but in my lifetime, that was the the biggest boost in, uh, I'd call it basically hyper-masculinity in American politics. Um, And this, this leads us to the point where we are at now, where... Basically, the two parties have become one. Um, And it's funny because I I say that and immediately think, well, obviously, that's exactly what they've always been. Um, A two-party system is a a system in which they are there to support one another, um, to assist one another however they can and then assist themselves, and that's about it. But because of 9-11 and because of nationalism, we're seeing a huge shift to the right in American politics. Um, Prior to 9-11, there was a good chance that we could have at least moved more central. Um, And I believe that that is why uh, 9-11 was used as a tactic to do what it has done. Um, So what I mean by a huge shift to the right is you're seeing the, the... right-wing conservatives, the Republican Party, shift so insanely far to the right um, that they're basically, they basically operate on the principle of if anyone tries to tell you that what you do is wrong, fuck them. Um, And that has led to a rise in hate crimes that has led to a rise in racially motivated crimes. Uh, that has led to a rise in um, a, a lot of a lot of not so great things in this country, and that's because you're creating this association between politics and identity. So when you tell you know your gun loving, Jesus loving, uh, conservative uncle with three teeth, hey you can't say the n-word what you're telling him is not hey you can't say the n-word what you're telling him is hey i don't like you and you are not allowed to be who you want to be because i say so that's what he hears because that's what's been pounded into his head because of the media is that any correction of his uh politics is an attack on him in an attack on America. Um, <clears throat> and these people think that they are, uh, you know, 
the the standing um, spokesperson for America. So, of course, they're going to take it very personal when you tell them these things because they associate so much of who they are as a person with this hyper-Americanism. And also, on the other side of the spectrum, or, you know, so it's called, uh, the Democrats have shifted insanely far right, too. If you go onto YouTube and watch some debates from the Republican National Convention in the early to mid-90s, and then compare those to the Democratic National Convention uh, debates in 2016 and in, in this year as well, <clears throat> or even just since 9-11, you'll see that um, the Democrats uh, of today are using the same talking points and speaking on the same subjects in the same manner that Republicans were 20 years ago. Um, and that's why when I try to explain this, you know, this shit, to my friends or whoever will let me talk, um, that there's really no such thing as a two-party system. This is what I mean. The Democrats and the Republicans exist for one purpose and one purpose only. And they say it all the time, and we really miss the hint. And it's reaching across the aisle. Now, when I say reaching across the aisle, I do not mean it how they imply it to mean on CNN or Fox or whatever. I do not mean that they're reaching across the aisle to help their common American. <clears throat> because that's never been what American politics has been about. If you genuinely think that American politics was about helping the American people, then you should probably look at who was considered the American people when the country was founded. Because there was millions of people who were people that were not considered people. Um, and that still exists today. But I'm getting off track. What I mean by reaching across the aisle is reaching across the aisle and shaking one another's hands and going, listen, we're going to go on live TV and we're going to bicker back and forth. But when we get backstage, you know, I'll give you your mill and you'll give me mine and we'll go our separate ways because that's what it's really about. Um, you have Congress people that have been in Congress for 30 plus years and have seen almost absolutely no true structural change. And yet every year when they, or every year, every time that they run for re-election, um, they run on the same platform um, of change. And yet you can look at their history and see that that's not what they're about. And yet we, you know, people still fucking vote for them because nobody pays attention. Um, and I think, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that quick. Nobody fucking pays attention to politics. And it's very intentional. American politics and politics in a lot of different countries is made so insanely confusing and complicated as to deter people from paying attention. I mean, if, you know, I've said it before, if you can explain to me why the Supreme Court only has 12 justices when there is over 330 million people in this country, that is a clear and concise example that politics in this country has nothing to do with the American people and has everything to do with the American ruling class. Um, and the confusion and uh, just utter, difficult, utter difficulty that comes with trying to understand American politics is really put in place so that you can't have an understanding of it, so you can't trace back and say, oh, actually... The reason why this shit is going wrong is because so so and so. 
Um, you have no idea what really fucking happened, so you just have to take whoever's word for it and blame whoever they say it's is to blame. Um, the Democrats will say it's the Republicans, the Republicans will say it's the Democrats, and we sit here in limbo for the next 30 years until the Earth explodes. Um, <clears throat> and uh, a cool thing about the Democrats, because I think, I think the Republicans are genuinely far less dangerous than we think they are. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that. But I think the Democrats are really the, the ones to watch because they are... They're more conniving, I guess we'll say. And, and that's obvious. And I'm, it's you know laughable, honestly, that I'm even fucking wasting my time talking about this. But the Democrats operate on this, this playing field of doing absolutely shitty things ceremoniously. Like, for example, when George Floyd was killed, Nancy Pelosi and all her fucking cronies donned those um, ceremonial scarves, and I apologize for not knowing the name of them, and kneeled for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Um, but I, I, I'm here to tell you something really cool about Nancy Pelosi and her cronies, and that's that they can create laws. Uh, they can actually uh, do something about this. But instead, they, they operate on this system of niceties and, you know... Um, ceremony um and that's what's more important to them what's more important to them is looking good rather than actually doing good and if you don't believe me look at barack obama love i mean you can fucking love barack obama as much as you want but you just really need to be aware that you are you love a guy that really fucked you over i mean Obama served for eight years as president. He created the strictest immigration policies this country has seen in a long time. He helped create ICE. He was bombing Syria. He sold weapons to Saudi Arabia, continued to, uh, continued the Afghanistan war, um, allowed new pipelines to be built on um, indigenous land, uh, allowed... Um, huge oil spills, environmental crises to happen. But because he was a, a, a black man with a, a beautiful smile and a, you know, a gorgeous family, and uh, because he could say the right things, you guys loved him. And I loved him. Fuck, I, I loved Obama. Um, but that's really what Democrat, Democratic uh, governance is all about is, you know, doing the same shit that everybody hates the Republicans for doing, but with a black guy in office instead. Or a woman, or a gay man, or, you know, a, a, a non-binary person. Um, or a fucking, you know, dog, or whatever. Like, anything that you can do to make the American people go, aww, that's, that's what the Democrats fucking do. Um... And uh, this has created this this kind of widespread uh, <laughs> uh, occurrence that I, I like to call the 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 dad uh, the democratic alienation disorder, which is <clears throat> this feeling of isolation 
uh, or entrapment that Democrats feel by these big and scary Republicans um, so that they, you know, don't try to create new policies. They are super soft in governance. They, you know, don't go out and do these things that they proclaim to be passionate about or care about because they, you know, think that they're, you know, the only ones. Like, I look at Facebook and there's people arguing right now about whether or not black lives matter. You know what I mean? And, like, that's fucking insane. But the 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 all, the all opposite insanity uh, to that is uh, this idea that most people don't think that black lives matter. I mean, I'm not saying that America is so great that a majority believes that black people deserve to live. But I think far less people believe that black people don't deserve to live than uh, uh, we think. And I think the, the issue becomes, and let me, let, me, let me backtrack there. So, for example, I live in a, a, a small town of about 20,000 people. Uh, it's not a very rich community, but it is a bit affluent. It's conservative. Yeah. I feel very isolated when talking about politics because just about everyone I talk to is going to be a Republican or at least a, a, a centrist. Um, and, and that creates this idea that, oh, fuck, you know, nothing's ever going to get done because we're all alone. Um, but you have to realize that you're less alone and more just simply the educated one. I mean, so much of politics in this country isn't talked about because it's boring to many people. Uh, they don't like having to think about things like that. So you're not necessarily the odd, you know, man out or woman out, or whatever, you're just simply the one that's going to talk about it. Um, but it creates this belief that, like, nothing's going to get done, so let's not even try to create policies or anything like that, because it wouldn't work, because everyone, you know, is against me. So instead, we're going to just work on trying to to change minds and have civil debates on Facebook and... You know, we can have different opinions, but we can still be friends. Um, and that's kind of like where American politics stands right now. It's all about bipartisanship rather than actual politics. Uh, it's all about being able to out, outsmart your, your opposing uh, American and change their mind rather than realize that what they think doesn't actually fucking matter. Um, and just forgetting about it and working towards creating change. <clears throat> and that's kind of where we see ourselves today in, in 2020, um, when we have a, a presidential election coming up where Donald Trump and Joe Biden are the two, you know, the two guys, the two ones that really have a chance at winning. Um, and I'd like to take a moment to, to talk about uh, what I think is going to happen um, and stuff like that. But uh, real quick, I would like to just say that if you are hearing anything that I'm saying and thinking, well, Josh, that that is what you know being a good citizen is about. It's about hard conversations 
and changing people's minds and influencing people through uh, debate. Uh, I want to tell you that um, you need to grow up. We are in a recession because of a deadly virus that our president and his administration decided they didn't want to care about. We are on the brink of a war with like six different countries. Um, The environment is in absolute disarray. Our billionaires and billion-dollar corporations in this country have tripled their profit margins in just 10 years, while the American, you know, the American common person has remained just about as, uh, quote-unquote, rich as they've been since the mid-70s. Inflation is going to go up an insane amount because of this pandemic. Uh, Many, many more people will die because uh, we're deciding to value the economy rather than our actual people. Um, There's food shortages. There's... uh, Literally a chain shortage. Um, we're on the brink of the end of an empire. And what I think people seem to forget because we live in modern times is there is no guarantee that tomorrow we're going to wake up and there's going to be a United States of America. So to sit here and waste our time on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, in in a coffee shop or whatever, having conversations with someone of an opposing view uh, is, in my opinion and many people's opinions, very ridiculous because, one, um, who the fuck cares what they think? They're wrong, and if you know that, then what are you wasting your time doing? Uh, And two, because it's not doing anything. I mean, I could spend my whole life trying to convince just my dad to believe anything that I'm saying. And then he would just die, and then I would die, and nothing's been done. And I think that's what people don't understand is what politics is really about is creating change, not conversations. So there's that. Um, Talking about the upcoming election, uh, I am going to cast my prediction. We're going to see a Biden 2020 ticket. He's going to win. And shit's really going to hit the fan because... Okay, first of all, one thing. To the people who think that there's a solid foundation for a Trump 2020, uh, you're you're not entirely wrong. I, I wouldn't be 100% surprised if Trump won again in 2020. But most of what got him to be president in 2016 isn't really possible to run on now. He ran in 2016 on, on the outsider ticket. Uh, He wasn't a a lifelong politician, which people liked. People hated Hillary Clinton and the Clinton family and the politicians at the time. So they wanted someone who, you know, wasn't a part of that sphere to kind of take the mantle and see what he could have done. Um, But now in 2020, Trump is so associated with uh, just about everything that is bad in this country that... I don't see him being reelected. I mean, he has a, a pretty big following still. I'd say probably at least like 3% of the country 
loves the shit out of him. But those are all his ideological followers, and they're going to vote for him regardless. So thinking about them is pointless because their their votes are already cast. What we really need to think about is uh, people who don't pay attention to politics, who don't care about politics, who don't have a candidate that they're you know standing behind and campaigning for right now. Um, those are the people that are going to influence the election. Uh, so I think Joe will win. Good old Joe is going to win in 2020. That's kind of what I'm assessing. And uh, the reason why it's going to get 10 times worse is because the cool thing about Donald Trump and the actual like genuinely good thing about having him as president is uh, people fucking care about politics now. Um, when Barack Obama was president, the same shit was happening. Um, but people didn't care because there was a black guy as a president. So they were like, everything's all right, you know. Racism is gone, and everything bad in the world is gone with it because Barack Obama uh, had, you know, played basketball on live television. Um, and that's what's going to happen in 2020 because, I mean, most people don't like Biden. Nobody really is, like, you know, out knocking on doors and handing out flyers for Biden. Um, although I did see the first Twitter bio that said Biden 2020, and that you know, that was amazing. But, um, what Biden really is a, uh, huge poster child for right now is, uh, the lack of actual political agenda in this country. Um, and just simply a passing of the mantle. And what's going to happen in 2020 is as soon as Joe Biden is president, we're going to have about three to four months where people give a fuck because he's a rapist and he's a creep and he's senile. But then after that, they're going to be like, oh, whatever, there's a Democrat as president, so we're fine. But we're not. Like, Joe Biden, if you look at his voting history, his political history, and what he has stood for his entire time in government, he is equally, if not worse, than Donald Trump in that he's conniving, he's able to keep a secret. I don't know if he will be now, considering he's out of his mind, but I don't think he's really going to be the one calling the shots. I think he's just going to be the face of the whole operation the same way just about every president is. Um, so I think we have to really make sure that if slash when Joe Biden is elected in 2020, we keep this shit going, like keep fighting for what we're fighting for now. Um, yeah. But with that, I would like to take a quick shift and step on over to another subject. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, however the fuck you say her name. Uh, I think it was almost two weeks ago now. Sorry, sip of coffee. Excuse me. Sorry, about two weeks ago, um, I think somewhere in there, she uh, was found in just a fucking suburb in New Hampshire, so that's fine, um, and is now in police custody, um, I haven't done as much, uh, digging as I should, um, but, you know, Twitter always provides some details for me without having to do much research, um, so I, I originally wanted to talk about this and cast my vote for how I thought she was gonna die, um, but I am not 100% convinced that, I'm not 100% convinced that she's even alive right now. 
Um, and I'm also not 100% convinced that if she is, they're going to kill her. Because here's the thing. What she stands for, or I guess symbolizes in this, you know, uh, climate that we exist in in this country now is uh, everything that's wrong with the rich and powerful. Um, The ability to get away with literal sex trafficking for years and then have that be in the public eye and publicly acknowledged and literally nothing happens. Uh, so I think, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a a hundred percent convinced, but I am quite sure, um, that she's going to be used to sway the election in 2020. Um, one second here, I'm sorry. I think that she is going to be the poster child of just complete and utter annihilation of all the big names in politics right now. And really, all the big names, period. But I think this is dangerous, and this is why. Uh, Simply getting rid of the people that are, you know, have proof that they were a part of this sex ring um, is not what is going to... uh, create sufficient change because if it was allowed to happen now it's going to be allowed to happen again and past that um you're just going to get rid of some people and there's going to be more people to fill those spots um so i think we really need to be paying attention to her um and keeping an eye on headlines and really doing research and figuring out what's going on with her um because she really holds the key to complete and utter disruption of, like, just America as we know it today. And, I mean, I'm obviously super pro getting rid of pedophiles in government, of course. <clears throat> but the way that it's going to be used to create just this feeling of safety without any real change other than, like, for example, like, Donald Trump is pictured with Epstein a million times. But getting rid of Donald Trump does not get rid of the problem in the country. Which is what got Donald Trump to be able to be president. Um, And that's what is dangerous because the same way that having Barack Obama in office made everybody feel like nothing was wrong is the same thing that's going to happen if, you know, all these people are rounded up and thrown in prison um, for sex trafficking. Because everybody's going to go, oh, wipe the sweat off their forehead and go, all right, we're safe now. Uh, When there's just going to be hundreds of more that there wasn't proof, uh, it's going to do it again and it's just going to fill the slots. So um, all of this is uh, a bit insane to me that we're literally watching this happen and nobody seems to really give a fuck. Um, But also insane to me that it, it... ever really even fucking happened like there's been conspiracies for years but the fact that it's true is just just absolutely mind-blowing not surprising but mind-blowing in the same way um and the last thing that i really really want to talk about is uh the 
protests, real quick. So, literally none of my feed has anything to do with Black Lives Matter anymore. And that is bad, and of course. But it was also something that I predicted. Because the Black Lives Matter slogan and movement, like I said, and like many people said before me that I took from, uh, is too co-optable. I mean, Netflix is, you know, has a whole section on Black Lives Matter. Every big company, Amazon, you know, any app that you use has an ad about why Black Lives Matter and why you should read these books. Everyone for the longest time was telling you, you know, read this book, da 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 listen to this podcast, da 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 um, and you'll be, you know, woke. And that's what the Black Lives Matter movement got co-opted into. It got co-opted into uh, woke politics um, and woke culture in this country, which is, you know, we'll talk about that next time. Uh, but I think Black Lives Matter needs to really reassess and refocus and find themselves uh, fighting for a, a, a less... Um, co-optable, I guess, not even just slogan, but for what they're fighting for. I mean, Black Lives Matter, yes, obviously, but what did the movement stand for? What does the movement stand for? What are are they fighting for? Racial, you know, justice and equality, yes, but that is such a loose term, and you're going to see things like, for example, the Redskins aren't the Redskins anymore, and the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs anymore, and uh, any episode where it could be perceived as blackface on television is removed, and uh, black voice actors are the only ones allowed to do black characters and cartoons and stuff like that, and yet nothing has changed. And Malcolm X said it his be- uh, the best, I'm going to paraphrase here because I'm not directly looking at the quote, um, the government will try to... Uh, please us and appease us with symbolic changes, but you can't let them. You can't let symbolic changes be enough because we're going to just fall right back into the same problems we've had for the the whole existence of this country if you just allow symbolic change to be enough. Um, nobody cares about Paw Patrol. <laughs> nobody cares about that shit. That is a war that's created in order to distract from the true goals, and that is restructuring this country's government and judicial system and society and culture uh, in in a racially equal and justice-filled way. Um, And that's what needs to continue being done, but it also... How do I want to say is it's not, you know, it's not on Facebook anymore. It's not on Instagram anymore. It's barely on Twitter and stuff like that. But here's the thing that doesn't fucking matter. The world is so incredibly based in social media today, but social media is not at all a reflection of real life. So maybe there's not enough videos of protests on the news. Maybe there's not enough videos of protests on Facebook, but There's still huge protests going on worldwide, across the globe. Um, And that needs to keep happening, but it also needs to shift. 
Um, we're past the point, and if you don't fucking see it, you really need to open your eyes. We're past the point of peaceful protests being meaningful. They never were. Civil disobedience is the, the easiest way to just appease the powers that be. Fuck that shit. Fuck shit up. Um, and that's really the only thing that's going to create change. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you uh, listened all the way through, um, I appreciate you very much. Uh, if you are listening to this in one form or another, know that it is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Um If you have any questions or comments or concerns, maybe you have a topic you want to hear about, maybe you want to talk about possibly getting on the pod, um, go ahead and reach out to me at AnnoyingQuestionBoy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and sadly enough, TikTok. Um, (laughs) You can also find my blog on blogger.com at AnnoyingQuestionBoy. Um, And yeah, I mean... Go ahead and give me a like, give me a share. Go ahead and send this to your uh, conservative uncle with three teeth. And uh, keep on fighting the good fight, folks. Uh, As always, it has been your boy. Peace out.